Just a couple of things. I, I don't. It's been a minute since I've been up here, so uh, just some reminders. One, one, you often don't see me regularly on Sunday because um, I was sharing uh, yesterday uh, with a whole bunch of Christians in Flatbush that are encouraging um, young people through some organization stuff that's happening down and in, way into Flatbush. Um, is uh, the recognition that um, I am the youth slash justice slash mercy pastor here. And I'll talk a bit about that in a few minutes, but um, most, most Sundays I'm upstairs with our youth and that can be somewhere between five and 12 youth that are upstairs. So if you don't see me in the service, it's usually because I'm upstairs. And it used to be that you could hear us because we were directly above. I've moved us down a little bit so you don't hear us running around during the service. But I also want to remind you, as has been mentioned already, and as this idea of building a soul, right? What happens in this church is not just what happens on Sunday. And the beauty of this is that we are a building that as much as possible tries to be open, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have our community breakfast. Thursday, our groceries come in. Also on Thursdays, moms come in to... um, I am regularly getting calls from the Brooklyn Hospital where new moms are being, are being sent over to us so we can get them diapers and formula and, new, and strollers and whatever else we can put in their hands to remind them that there's a community that cares about them. Saturday, we have our grocery pantry. And just as a, as a reminder, if you are in this church, as Pastor Edwin has already said, I'm going to say it a little more with like as a great A-A-N-A term that comes out a lot, carefrontation, the carefrontation reminder. Look. 779 people were blessed yesterday with groceries in this space. <laughs> through six volunteers. If you are, if you call this church your home, and I'm going to say this with all love, I best see you on a Saturday. I best see you on a Saturday. Okay? If this is your church, 779 people were blessed yesterday with groceries by six volunteers. Okay? That is the work we do. Now, again, unapologetically, and I've been reminded by mentors through the years, I'm going to share my vision in view of what I think God is doing in our church through just that, just that, because there's a lot of other things happening in our church, but just through that, here's what I think God is inviting us into. First, unapologetically, I want to see our church participate and or house a faith-based shelter in Brooklyn. Housing, if you counted the number of homeless people in New York, it would be the sixth largest city in the city of New York, in the, in the, sorry, in the state of New York. Wow. If you counted all of the homeless people in New York City, it would be the sixth largest city wow. by population in the state of New York. Wow. There is no faith-based shelter in Brooklyn. Okay? There is no faith-based shelter in Brooklyn. If I want to send someone to a shelter where they will receive spiritual care, I have to send them to Manhattan. That should not happen. Okay? 
So, unapologetically, my vision for what I think God wants to do in and through our church is for us to help establish a faith-based shelter in Brooklyn. Okay. Secondly, of those 779 folks who came to, the shelter, uh, came to get groceries yesterday, about 65% of them are Asian brothers and sisters who live in public housing down in Vinegar Hill. Here's what I think God wants us to do to be participants in planting a Chinese church in the projects in Brooklyn. Let me say it again. To be participants in planting a Chinese church in the projects in Brooklyn. That's what I think God wants us to be a part of. That's going to require faith and strength and resources that we don't have right now. But that's who's coming. That's who's coming. There are men and women coming from Vinegar Hill, from Farragut and Ingersoll and Whitman every Saturday to get groceries for their family, bringing carts from way down in Vinegar Hill because they know they can get help here. But English is not their first language. And so we can't plant the church, but they're coming to us. So that also, I think, just part of what God, I think, wants to do in and among us. And that's a vision bigger than what we can do on our own. As, and I said, as one of my mentors said, if your vision is something you can accomplish on your own, it's probably not God's vision. If the vision that you have is a vision that you can do on your own, it's probably not God's vision. It's going to require strength and faith and resources that you don't have, that you don't have. So, as I said also in that meeting... <laughs> Just to remind you, as a white guy gets up in, a front, in front of a large, uh, largely black and brown space today, I'm unapologetically a hood pastor. Okay. If there is a shooting happening in my, in, in my neighborhood or our neighborhood, I am there. Or you better believe that I'm making sure that there's a pastor that's representing that community in that space. If there's a shelter opening in our community, you best believe that I'm there or I'm going to be a welcoming community to make sure that, yes, in our backyard, we need more shelters and resources for our houseless brothers and sisters. If there's, a for, if there's an incarcerated brother or sister st stepping back into our community, you best believe that I'm making sure that our church and there are community resources in this neighborhood that are supporting that brother or sister coming back into this community. If there's a shooting or a shelter, you best believe that our church is connected to it. If there's a Title I school that needs resources or funding in our community, you best believe that I'm in that meeting making sure that those kids are getting the resources that they need. Those are the spaces that I believe God wants our church and where he's invited me to be. And this is the mission that he's invited us into. And so as a reminder, as all those things I just said, and, and I could go on and on as sort of those spaces and opportunities that God has somehow mysteriously provided for me and to be in. I don't know if you have these moments where all of a sudden you're in this position, you're in this space, you're in this meeting, you're in this moment, and you're like, how did I get here? How did I get here? Why am I here? What, what, this doesn't seem to make sense. And one of these moments happened a few years ago where um, Borough Hall, where again, uh, on top of all the other things that I do, 
Recently, I also became the director of faith-based organizing for the Brooklyn Borough President. So I work with the Brooklyn Borough President's office in making sure that we're organizing all of the faith community all around Brooklyn. So whether that's Canarsie or Flatbush or Fort Greene or Park Slope or Crown Heights or wherever, Midwood or Brighton Beach, that the faith community is involved in supporting and strengthening what's happening in those communities. But a couple of years ago, I was at this meeting, got invited to Borough Hall to be at this meeting, and the, the then director of faith-based organizing had organized this vigil to, to, as a prayer to, to pray for folks who had lost loved ones to, to terrorism around the world, right? And you realize it's an ongoing problem, whether it's the Ukraine now or the, all of the, the atrocities that are going on all through the African continent, as you realize all of the wars that continue to pervade in the Middle East, and there was this vigil where he's inviting faith leaders from across traditions to come and say a prayer to remi being reminded that lives are being lost around the world. And so he invited me. And so I got to the space, and it was me, a bunch of rabbis, and a bunch of imams. So let me say it again. It was me, a bunch of rabbis, and a bunch of imams. And I wasn't surprised, unfortunately. I wasn't surprised. So before I got up and I started to pray, here's what I said. I got up in front of all the imams and all the rabbis, and here's what I said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry there are not more pastors and Christian leaders who are here to lament with you as you have lost loved ones to terrorism and violence around the world. Because this is not a theological issue. This is a humanity issue. Bullets and bombs are indiscriminate. And I'm sorry that more Christians don't stand up and pray with and lament for you in your loss in these moments. Why was I there? To be a representative of Christians who say, we care about all people. We care about all people. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Puerto Rican, Hispanic, Haitian. It doesn't matter where you were born, how much money is in the bank. It doesn't matter where you live, what address you have, what your background is. It doesn't matter your sexual identity. It doesn't matter those things. We love you. Full stop. But it's not just my call. This is our call. So again, I don't know if you've ever been in those situations, in those moments, you're like, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What is this situation supposed to be about? How am I supposed to maneuver in this moment, in this situation? Well, here's the other reality. It's not just that we can find ourselves disheveled, wondering, concerned. We can find ourselves in the day-to-day -day living but not being alive. Having no purpose I can mail in every day, just, just live like it's another day, like it's another situation, like it's another moment, and not realize that there's supposed to be purpose and meaning, an invitation for every moment, every word, every thought in my life. I can lose sight of those things. It's very possible that I can be living my life and not be alive. I can miss the invitation from God. And so this morning, a simple but important reminder of the mission that God is inviting us into. The mission that He's inviting us into. 
in our day-to-day experience, not just on Sunday, but every day, as soon as our eyes open until our eyes close every day, what is the mission that God is inviting us into? So the big idea for us, if you get nothing else other than the word which we will read in a moment, the big idea for us for today is the mission that God is inviting us onto is to point people to him. Very simply. The mission of God is an invitation for us to point people to him. Or if you want just, again, the hood reality for this, every day it's a reminder for us to be thinking about it. Are you down with the king? The title for the message today is Down with the King. I'll leave that to you as to where I got that from. Some of you will know. So I'll invite you to read the text with me. This will be the text that will inform us as we go to the scriptures today. I invite you to stand. Because again, if nothing else, here's what we are going to do. We're going to recognize this morning that God is about to address us. Revival happened in the scriptures because people were willing to stand at attention and hear the word of God. There is power In the Word of God. And so today, our text is 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 20. And it says this So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So the question and the invitation today in the mission of God is simply again this, one of two ways for us to remember. The invitation to point people to God, or if you want to think about it another way, are you down with the king? Are you down with the king? And this happens in a couple of ways as we think about this text. The first, how do we understand this invitation from God for us to go out? It first starts with a change in our perspective. A change of perspective. The the Christian Standard Bible. And as a side, if you're reading the Bible, it's really good if you're studying the scriptures to have a couple of different translations in front of you because remember that the translation is happening from Greek and Aramaic into the English language. And so sometimes it's difficult to try and pin down one word to try and translate from the, English, from, from the Greek and Hebrew into the English language. And so sometimes it's good to have some different translations because it helps us to really get a sense of what the word is trying to say. And so in this text, in verse 16, the Christian Standard Bible helps us to understand what's really happening in this text because it says here, what it's trying to do is, in verse 16, in the NIV, it says, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In the Christian Standard Bible, it says, we, we, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. 
I will no longer only see people from a worldly perspective. I will no longer only see people from a worldly perspective or purely in a human way, as the Christian Standard Bible tells us. And why that's important is, again, we can fall into the trap in one of two ways, right? We can fall into the trap of only thinking of people from a spiritual perspective, the thinking that the only thing that I need to do as a Christian is to really just care for their soul, right? And forget that they have a body, that they have physical needs that need to be tended to. Again, if you're working in poverty alleviation, it's very difficult for you to have any sort of regular conversation with someone that's sustained if they're hungry. Why do we meet people in their moment of physical need and meet, give them a meal? Because it's very difficult for you to pay attention if you're hungry. Why did Jesus first heal the person before he introduced himself to them? Because he wanted them to be whole physically so they could receive the message understand the message. But the other thing is that we don't want to fall in the trap of just being a social agency. Of just thinking that the most important thing is just to alleviate needs because again, you can alleviate people's needs and forget that they have an eternal state. And so really it's important for us to understand that when we're thinking about all these realities of how we enter into being a representative of the king is we need a new set of glasses. A new set of glasses that help us to see both perspectives. The perspective of their soul, the deep realities that are going on in a person's life under the hood of their life, but also recognizing that they do have physical needs. Things that they need to be tended to, need to be cared for. That we don't fall into the trap of thinking it's either or. No, it's both and. It's both and. And so again, I need to have the perspective change. And here's where it's important for us to understand what's happening. This is why the church has the greatest opportunity, probably in our lifetime, and probably for churches like ours, we have the greatest opportunity right now because, again, we are in a position in society right now where both of these things are colliding. We have people that are terrified to leave their house. Monkeypox now. Their first case of polio in almost 20 years. Ongoing struggles with COVID. Remembering there are almost a 20% contagion rate in many neighborhoods and the BA5 variant is resistant to the latest vaccines and boosters. We are not out of the woods with this and people terrified to get out of their houses. That's a sole issue. But we also have deep hunger and homelessness realities that people are dealing with. Food bank, I mean, I talk to food banks around, around the city, all over Brooklyn. The numbers are not going down. The concerns are not being alleviated. And if we think about our, our, our church, I mean, again, I just heard the number for last year. Again, as we continue to be a church that prioritizes caring for people in recovery and their families... I think the number was something like 107,000 people in the United States died of overdoses last year. 107,000 people died of overdoses last year. Our perspective has to change. 
We need to look out into the world and see the opportunities for us to introduce hope by meeting people where they are at. Is there struggle? Fear? Is there, is, are, they, are they living with anxiety and worry about the future? Are there deep physical needs that they need to be tended to? We meet them. We have a perspective where we're seeing them, not simply from a human way, but seeing their whole person so we can introduce them to hope. I'm down with the king who wants them to be in a relationship with the creator of the universe, but I need to see them, to really see them. You see, again, as, we think about, as I think about my job, justice and mercy describes it this way. Mercy is meeting people in their place of need. Justice is having a conversation about the reason for the need. And there's a, a myriad of reasons for that. Spiritual, physical, systemic reasons that people present in our church of why they are in a position of need. Because we want to see them, not just from a human perspective, but see with the lens of God. What is God trying to do in this moment? What is he trying to teach me and show me? But again, how this transition happens in our life is not just that we see people differently. Again, look at the scripture you have it in front of you it says in the verse in verse 16 it says though we we regarded christ in this way we some of us still do or at one point did simply view christ from a human perspective and what that means is lots of people like jesus teaching lots of people like jesus for what he offers lots of people like jesus for what he says not a lot of people want to follow him. Lots of people like, Pastor Ray would say this many times, I'd hear him say, lots of people like to wear a cross, not a lot of people want to carry one. We regarded Christ from a worldly perspective. I like his teaching, he's a good guy. He, he's, he, he provides some nice things to consider. Jesus is not offering some nice things to consider. He's offering transformation, a new way to live. He's not a life coach. He's a savior. He's a savior. He's not co-signing our messes. He's out to transform our messes. But we have to let him. Perspective change. How do I see the people around me? Do I look at them as a problem, a lost cause, a pain in the butt? Right? Jesus doesn't look at people that way. He offers us to see that they are opportunities to bless, people to learn from. Did you know that the people that drive you crazy in your life are often the people that God is trying to use to teach you? But we live in a cancel culture. I would much rather just dismiss them than learn the lesson. This is not to say that I need to be best friends with everybody. But this is to say that I need to have lenses on that say, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you saying? What are you showing? De being down with the king is a learning to see in a new way. 
who Jesus is and what he's about and what he's offering us. An opportunity to learn patience and kindness. But secondly, it's not just this invitation to see differently, but it's an opportunity to change our position. To change our position. Right? Verse 18, 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is, again, I want you to, I want you to think, some of the, one of the most powerful sentences in the scriptures, okay, is two words, in Christ. In Christ. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what does that mean? That means there's a change in position. That means that I'm no longer in myself, of myself, for myself. I am in Him. I am for Him. I am with Him. There's a change in position that happens. If I want to join God in His mission, I need to be in Him. I need to be in position to be in a relationship with Him. The invitation from God flows out of understanding. The invitation is for God to join Him in His family. Now, here's where it's really important, okay? In Corinth, think about Corinth as, as sort of the New York of the day. It was a trade place. It was where people came to try and be somebody or get something to live the American dream, right? They wanted to move into this space so they could get a job and be known and be seen and be welcomed and be somebody. But we all know that those opportunities are only for the very few. If I know in this room, there are lots of us who are working hard to try and move ahead and still hit hurdles, still hit limitations, still find closed doors, still have a past that catches up with us every time we try and make a move, still have a mistake that we try to overcome that still creeps up every time we try and move into a, a position for a, for a house or for a job, Right? We want to make moves. We want to step ahead. But there's always this past, this struggle, the issues that continue to keep moving into the present. We want them to be in the past, but they always move into the present. And Jesus tells us that this position that I'm, in, I'm offering you is about a recognition that I'm looking to transform the way you think about your life. Your past is not a limitation. Your failures are not the end of the story. As I tell people, and as an incredible book, Just Mercy, uh, from Brian Stevenson, as he's do, done work to provide opportunity and, and legal counsel for those facing death row in the, in the South, reminds people in his book, he says, we are not the sum total of our worst moment. We are not the sum total of our worst moment. And to be in Christ then is to know the old is gone, the new has come. And the new meaning that God says, I no longer look at you through the lens of your failures. I no longer look at you through the lens of your limitations. I no longer look at you through the lens of your past. I look at you through the lens of Jesus. You are now in Christ. Meaning that all that he gives and offers and has accomplished and provides is yours as my child. Think of it this way. Imagine, okay? Imagine you're at a Mets game. I'm an unapologetic Mets fan. Okay? Okay. We'll talk about it later. 
I'm an unapologetic Nets fan, but I, I'm very concerned about this whole Durant and Kyrie thing, so we'll have this conversation later, okay? But imagine being at, this is what it means to be down with the king and to have this invitation from God. Imagine being at the Nets game or the Liberty game or the Mets game or the Knicks game or the Yankees game or the ballet or whatever pumps you up, whatever you feel like you need to be at to enjoy yourself. Imagine being at that performance and someone looks up from the field and says, you're in. You're in the game. I want you. And you're like, I don't think you want me in the game right now. I mean, if you gave me 50 chances, maybe one shot would go in, and that's being generous, right? But Jesus is saying, it's not about what you can do. It's about what I can do through you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what I can do through you. It's a change in position. To be invited by God into this mission is not to look at it and say, it's what I can accomplish or what I have or what I bring to the table. It's not about being worried about what I have done in the past or my limitations or my struggles. It's about saying, because I'm now in Him, I have a new position. Son or daughter of the living God. Forgiven and welcomed by the King of the universe. I don't need to worry about what you're saying about me here because I know what God says about me here. It's a change in position. The invitation from God is to a change in position. You matter to Him. He died for you. He welcomes you. He invites you. The mission of God is an invitation to a change in position. But secondly, this invitation, again, I want to keep reminding us of this. It's really important, particularly in this American individualism. It's, it's woven into our declaration, right? Life pursuit and the pursuit of happiness. The individual liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This is where we went wrong in the declaration, right? Because it wasn't just about what I need. It's about what we need. Look again in the scripture. Look again what it, the way it's describing it. In verse 18, all this from God who reconciled us and has committed to us and makes his appeal through us. See, here's the second position change. You're not just invited to a family. You're invited to a team. You're invited onto a team. You cannot do, I cannot do this Christian life by myself. There is no Lone Ranger Christian. Every time, someone made the joke, I was in, I think I was in a Rite Aid, and I was asking someone just about um, where you find something. And I said, where do y'all keep, and they're like, are you from Texas? And I'm like, no, I'm from actually from Canada. But they were saying that because I say y'all so much because it's a reminder that when you think about the scriptures, when they say you, 90% of the time it's making a plural statement about you. But we get so caught up in you thinking, no, it's about me. And so I just got used to saying y'all. It's actually good English. <laughs> because the invitation is plural. This is not you and your best life now. It's what's good for us. 
When one of us struggles, we all struggle. When one of us is blessed, we're all blessed. The invitation for us is to get in the game together. Together. I tell folks, I, when I led a church, and I tell people that when they weren't there, they were missed. Why you're missed on a Sunday is not because you're going to miss some great preaching. I hope you are. But because the gifts that you have are not being used on that Sunday. There's a vacuum in that seat. The gifts that you've been given cannot be used for that Sunday. It's not just about what I'm getting. It's about what I'm giving. The conversation that you were meant to listen to, the person that you were meant to hug and welcome, can't happen if you're at home. It can't happen if you're at home. The invitation is to be on a team. To be on a team. It's a change in my position. I am loved by God and invited into his mission with each other. So again, God's inviting you to get into the game. But here's the concern. Some of us feel like I don't have the goods. I don't have the talent. I don't have the time. I don't have the abilities. I have the baggage. I have the limitations. I have the past. I have these conversations with formerly incarcerated folks all the time and say, when you are talking about your, your former incarceration as a limitation, I'm looking at it as an opportunity. Why is that? Because you understand the system in ways that I don't. And so when I'm talking with Supreme a youth advocate over in Fort Greene who did 25 years in Sing Sing and now is in mentoring kids in Fort Greene. You know what I'm telling? You know, he's telling me kids are hearing that the only way for them to be a somebody in the projects is to go to prison. That's how they know they're a man. And that's how what they're hearing from all those other folks who are doing the hard time. And Supreme is telling them, I'm not going to fanfare my hard time. You know why? Because they don't need to hear that. They need to hear the good stuff that goes on after you get back. When you're willing to put the hard work of loving your kids of showing up for community board meetings and being at the PTA and putting in the hard work at work so you can put food on the table for your kids. It's a change in position that I'm now welcomed by God. My past does not define me because I'm defined by the forgiveness of God. The reconciliation of God. God no longer, because of Jesus, calls you enemy, he calls you friend. You are a friend of God. A friend of God. He's inviting you into the game through Jesus to introduce people to him. But lastly... It's not just a matter of this change of perspective. I need new lenses to see people differently, to see the opportunities differently around me. It's not just a position change to see that I am different and invited into this game with each other to do this work. It's a change in my priorities. My priorities. This verse keeps me up at night. This verse keeps me up at night. Listen again. Verse 20. And if you don't, I mean, just think about what this verse is saying. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God 
is making his appeal through you. When you wake up every morning and you leave your house, when you wake up every morning and get on the subway, when you wake up every morning and are on the park bench, when you wake up every morning and you're interacting with your friends, here's what's the reality that keeps me up at night. God is making his appeal through me. As R.C. Sproul has said, that it, again, for some people, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. For some people, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. What are they reading? What are they reading? Now, I'm going to tell you again, I've already told you once, and I'm not putting, saying this to put you on blast because I'm out there too, but I'm reminding you, when I said I'm a hood pastor, I'm walking on Fulton Street, and I see some of y'all out in the streets when you leave this place and you're acting like this here and you're acting like that on Fulton. You're acting like this here and you're acting like that in the projects. You're acting like this here and you're acting like this over on the streets. God is making his appeal through you, not just here, but over there. And I'm way more concerned with the appeal that he, you are making over there. Because here we can play nice. Here we can wear masks. There is where the appeal matters. There is where the appeal matters. When I am interacting with folks in the streets, when I am out, wherever I'm at, I'm, I'm humbled to remember God is making his appeal about the forgiveness and the holiness and the wonder and the beauty and the grace and the kindness and the patience that he extends through me. If that doesn't undo you a little bit. You got to go back to the drawing board. You got to go back to the drawing board. The king of the universe is inviting you to represent him wherever you go. The king of the universe, the one who spoke the universe's... I, this week, we saw, or last week, we saw the Hubble telescope was producing these new images of the universe, right? The wonders of the universe would just boggle our minds, and God created it with his voice. Yes. Didn't have to lift a finger, spoke it into existence, is inviting you to be his representative in the shelter on the subway, on the park bench, in the street, to your kids, to your spouse, to tell and show what people, what he is like. But again, here's the reminder. If our words and our actions don't line up, we've got to start again. You can talk a mean game. You can talk a mean game. But if your life is all sorts of crazy town, your words don't mean nothing. You can quote all kinds of verses, 
recount all kinds of NAAA jargon about how good and clean and how much clean time you have and then go out into the streets and bug out and while out. He's making his appeal through us all of our life. Every part of us. How good a listener are you? Your ears are a reconciliation work. Do people leave conversations with you feel like they, feeling like they're being heard? Think Again, think about God. He hears every single prayer uttered. And it's not like he's like, I don't get time for this. I don't want to hear this. He, in his perfection can hear the cries of every person simultaneously as if it was the only person speaking in the room. That's how God wants us to treat the person talking to us. And if we're on our phones or if we're just ready to just respond with whatever thing we want to share We're not reconcilers in that moment because we're not trying to be like God to them in that moment. The God of the universe is inviting us to show people what he's like. Keeps me up at night with my kids, with people at the pantry, with people on the line. Do people leave a conversation or an interaction with me with just a glimpse of what God is like? (laughs) But I've said this lastly, and we're going to go to communion now. I've said this. This is the unapologetic foundation conversation of how I enter into conversation with people about discipleship, okay? So this is, and and there's just no way around this, okay? I tell people when we're talking about discipleship, and discipleship means being in relationship with Jesus and then introducing people to Jesus and then continuing to walk together with Jesus, okay? If following Jesus was easy, then Jesus didn't have to die. And so what it means is if you're saying, if, you, if there's all sorts of yeah buts in your life, if there's all sorts of yeah buts in your mind, if you're like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, that seems impossible. Precisely. Because human agency won't get us there. If it were humanly possible to follow Jesus, Jesus didn't have to die. It required a power that we don't have. It required a work that we could not accomplish. And so verse 21, at the end, and I'll invite the ushers now as we prepare for communion. Because again, this is the last part. The invitation to be down with the king is verse 21, right? It's a change in our perspective. It's a change in our position. It's a change in our priorities by resting in his power. Verse 21. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How do we do this? By recognizing that Jesus died for me so I could live for him.